songs and things like that. He asked her if she had any regrets or anything she wanted to work out with, with family or friends. And you know, they set up ways to be able to do that, to work for reconciliation. Just basically getting ready um, to go home. And uh, after they had it all settled and whatnot, the, the lady says to the pastor, you know, there's, there's one more thing that I really need you to be sure of. That you know, when I'm in the casket, I want there to be a fork in my hands. And the, and the preacher was like, what? A fork? What are you talking about? Why? <laughs> Why do you want a fork? And uh, she says, you know, one of the things that I loved in my life was all the family meals that we had. You know, everybody would gather at the table and it was a wonderful time together and petty differences were put aside and we had a wonderful meal and wonderful time together and and she's like, and then my grandma would always say, save your fork. The best is yet to come. Keep your fork for dessert, right? Nobody ever have done that, right? Wipe it off. Hang on to it. And she said that I want, even in my death, people that come to, to my service or see me, I want them to know where I am and ask about the fork. And then you can tell them that the best is yet to come. You know, who doesn't like a good party or a good banquet, right? I mean, we get in the car on the way home after something like that, and the conversation goes something like this. Wow, that was amazing. They thought of everything. I'm so full, but I wish I could eat it all again. <laughs> Have you ever said that? I'm so full, I can't even breathe. <laughs> or my, my son's... Uh, I'm full as a tick and I'm having the meat sweats. You know? <laughs> we all have ways of expressing how we, how we feel. And, and like today's scriptures are so beautiful. They have this theme of this banquet that God prepares for us. That he prepares for you. And so the idea of this is that we consider... That no matter what we're going through right now, if we have trusted Jesus Christ, the best is yet to come. You know, we walk on this earth, we're commanded to be in the world, but not of it. Right? How does that work for us? How does that work out in our lives? Um, sometimes we're, we're so in it that we start to become of it, and God calls us out of that. And it's like, no, you know, the shepherd, he's got his staff. <laughs> You're in this world, but you're not of it. You're supposed to live differently. And we are exhorted to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Transformation, this is the work of the Lord in our lives. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus has come because God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should have eternal life. We never should forget that. <clears throat> We look ahead and we look forward with expectation to what is coming, to what lies ahead for us, because God is good. His love and his mercy and his grace is so much more than we can, in our little earthly brains, even understand right now. But he gives us the gift of his grace to, to begin to understand little bits of it here and there, here and there. So even as we walk through the ups and downs of life, and we all have them, 
if we keep before us the fact, the fact that Jesus has overcome sin and death, the power of Satan is broken, and we have a banquet of eternal life set before us, prepared for all who are found in Christ, all who have trusted him for their salvation. He brings life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not yet exist. Whatever happens in this life, know this, that Jesus brings life out of death, healing and wholeness out of sickness, and joy out of depression and despair. Nobody else can do that. Nobody else has the power to save and to heal and to deliver that Jesus does. We always look for it in all these other places and all these other ways. And, and finally, we come to the end of ourselves and God is like, aha, you finally got there. Now, here's what I'm offering you in my beloved son, Jesus. So we've got this consistent message throughout the scriptures of the Old and the New Testaments. A message of life. A message of hope. A message of power and resurrection in Jesus. Even all the way back in Isaiah. Did you see that in the Old Testament lesson this morning? All this talk about God's mountain and the banquet and, you know, all this stuff. You know, like fat and marrow. And I mean, have you ever actually sucked marrow out of a bone? I don't recommend it. <laughs> I did try it with a deer bone once. It wasn't that hot. Uh, but they thought it was great. So, <laughs> but the idea here is, you know, this was sort of a section of apocalyptic literature. It's talking about God's final victory and celebration with the redeemed. Wait a minute, I thought that was only in the New Testament. In Revelation, and maybe a little bit in Daniel. You know, but no, it's the consistent theme all the way from the very beginning in Genesis to the end. Christ is present. He's prophesied about. God's work of redemption is seen in him in the scriptures all the way through. These people are called in from the highways and the byways to the banquet of resurrection and eternal life. And if you look at the language and the promises of God in this Isaiah passage, it's beautiful. Lo. This is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Do you ever have that sense in your life? Or, or do you find yourself stuck in the in the world and kind of of it a little bit so we kind of lose sight of this? This is the Lord for whom we have waited. It's real. It's not fake. It's actually happening. It's at work in my life. I've known the transformational power of the Holy Spirit. And it's real. Do you ever get excited about it? Or are we stuck? I don't know. I'm guilty of both at times, if I'm being honest, you know. Does it fill you with joy and a sense of expectation? Does it embolden you that whatever this life brings, the best is yet to come? We talked a little bit about 23rd Psalm with the kids this morning. Um, and we say it often enough that we kind of overlook the words, maybe. I don't know, you know, it's like the Lord's Prayer. Do you ever think about something else while you're praying the Lord's Prayer? Eh, might happen, okay? Um, 
there are some beautiful themes in the 23rd Psalm, and, and they are just, they're wonderful, but because it's so familiar, sometimes we miss them. You know, the, the Psalm starts out with, um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, it's all this, these I statements, and then partway through, uh, it becomes very personal, right? It changes to you. All of a sudden, you've got this sort of intimate conversation between us and God. You prepare a table before me in the presence of those who trouble me. Other translations say, in the presence of my enemies, the tone changes. And there's a, a reason for that. What are our enemies? Is it that annoying neighbor that plays music till two in the morning, right? Is it that person at church that irritates the dickens out of you, but God calls you to love them anyways, right? Is it, but what is it? What's your enemy? Is it some illness in your life or something like that? I mean, really, you prepare a table, a banquet before me in the presence of my enemies. Enemies are sin and death and the fruits thereof. All the stuff that comes out of sin, of the fallenness of the world, death. Sin and death, the enemies. Jesus has defeated them in the power of his resurrection and right in the very face of Satan and death has prepared a banquet for us of eternal life. And the very next line is, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Like, look at what was going through the mind of David when he wrote this psalm, when he was inspired to write it. Right? I've got these enemies of sin and death, but you have conquered it. You prepare this banquet of eternal life. I am so blessed. Thank you, Lord. If that doesn't put into perspective the challenges and trials and difficulties of our lives, I don't know what does. Can you imagine? Do you believe it? Will you be at that banquet? The gospel lesson today has the same theme woven right through it. It's beautiful. It's a parable. And it's about the kingdom of heaven. And all these folks are invited. Right? Invited to this banquet. And did you notice that a lot of people had excuses to not bother? Right? They got this invitation, but they made light of it. May that never be so for us. You know, one went to his farm, another was busy with his business. You can kind of insert your own thing in there, you know, like, ah, it's a nice day, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to, like, do something else besides pay attention to the Lord or whatever the case may be. I'm too busy, I'll worry about, about my eternal salvation when I'm on my deathbed. I'm going to live my life for now. Whatever the case may be, that's what is being pointed out here. And then still others mistreated the servants who were bringing the invitation and murdered them. 
And then the king says, those who are invited are not worthy. Go out into the streets and invite everyone you can find. All are invited to the banquet. All are invited. Not everybody is going to accept the invitation, though. That's clear. Have you ever felt like you weren't good enough for God? You're out on the outer edges of God's family. You want in, but you feel like you don't fit, or you're not good enough, or you exist on the margins because of some sin, or some condemnation, or self-worth, or whatever it is. Then this is for you. God is sending out and calling for those least expected. The very fact that you wonder... If you have a place with God, is evidence that he himself, in this very moment, is drawing you to himself. Will you be at that banquet? What about the hard ending of this parable? Right? That's a tough one. I'm not going to gloss over it. Okay? So, that poor guy that wasn't wearing the wedding robe, right? And he's cast into the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. We need to be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Because of our sin, our righteousness is like filthy rags, the scripture tells us. We can never be righteous enough. We need the righteousness of Jesus to clothe us. And that happens when we admit to God that we aren't good enough. That we don't have this sort of prideful sense of, oh, you know what? I think I've done enough good things that when I get to that heavenly traffic light, it's going to be green. You know, the scales are tipped in my favor. I had a farmer, a local farmer, tell me that. It was awesome. <laughs> I've never forgotten it. <laughs> we admit to God that we're not good enough. And in fact, we are sinful people who need to be rescued. We cannot do it on our own. When we realize that and we accept God's gift of Jesus' righteousness... That makes us worthy. And we find ourselves a place at the table, clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Will you be at the banquet? If you answered, I hope so, or I think so, or I'm not sure, or probably not, if you are still breathing, you can know. You still have time. You don't have to wonder and wander the rest of your days here wondering about it and hoping. Don't be satisfied with the status quo. Allow the Lord to bounce you out of the ruts of life and habit and step into the light of the new thing that God is calling into existence in you right now on this October morning. If you have discovered that you really want to be sure of your salvation, in a moment we're going to have a chance to pray. If you are sure of your salvation in place with Jesus and the Lord is speaking to you today saying, come higher up, come further in. He wants every part of you, especially the parts that we hold back or the parts that are slumbering. He wants to awaken in us a hunger for him that will lead us to this banquet, even in the face of our enemies of sin and death. And you could be assured 
And you can live a life of joy and peace, knowing that whatever comes, Jesus has you and will never let go. It's then that this beautiful scripture in Philippians today actually makes sense. You know that one that we say at the end of the service every week? And the peace of God which passes all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds and the knowledge and love of the Lord, right? That's where that comes from. And we have that peace in that sense, even in the midst of the turmoil of our lives, because of what Jesus is doing in us. So I invite you to pray with me, and you can pray along in your heart if you would like. Father, thank you for the invitation to the banquet. Thank you for inviting me into relationship with you. Lord, I do repent and I turn away from my sin. I know I can't be good enough for heaven and I have need of saving. I receive Jesus' gift of salvation and mercy. I take his righteousness on my behalf. Thank you for rescuing me and for a place at the table. Lord, I acknowledge there are parts of me right now you are working on. I have besetting sin that's troubled me for a long time, and today, right now, I release it to you. I leave it at the foot of the cross. Jesus, please deal with this as you will. Grant me your healing and your wholeness, and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me a hunger for you, for your word, and for deeper relationship with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like further prayer, come talk to me or come see me.